Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for Defence of Governance Rules are here every Saturday at noon to give you the latest developments in public education. We wish to promote and to protect public education. That's education that's public in ownership and control, and above all, it's public, it's public in access. Um, and we're, we're in terrible times. These are the dog days of a plague. Um, some of us believe that even though we've had almost um, two years of it, or certainly one and a half years of it, um, the current time is perhaps the most dangerous, not just for our teachers, but also for our students. And um, a lot of public school teachers are demanding that before schools go back, they are vaccinated and their children are also vaccinated. This is uh, not, however, the uh, necessary uh, position of private enterprise, which, uh, as we all know, is always willing to make a buck, a quick buck, or uh, take advantage of uh, some situations. And uh, we have a press release today which indicates that uh, private schools are taking their sense of privilege to extraordinary lengths. Um, and uh, there's a whole question as to whether or not our private schools should be a class apart and do as they please in these times of plague. Because unfortunately for them, the plague, COVID, is not a respecter of persons. Just because people think that they have money and they can buy their way into educational privilege does not mean that the plague considers them privileged or above um, their, uh, well, well, the plague, of course, I'm giving it a mind of its own, aren't I? But um, it is not, a, certainly not a respecter of persons. And we've just discovered that in the last week with a very interesting uh, situation in Fitzroy North. It has to be said, that when the paper mentioned a school in Fitzroy North, people thought that it was the Fitzroy North Primary School, but it wasn't. It was a so-called community school, which we will discover in our press release was in no way a community school. But um, let's get on with it, shall we? Uh, Oliver is going to introduce our press release number 905. Over to you. Oliver. Thank you, Jean. Fitzroy Community School, a private school, which is definitely not a community school, has a principal who believes that he and his clients can stand apart and have special privileges. He has repeatedly flouted public health orders and invited families to send in their children during lockdowns. The school has been hit by a significant coronavirus outbreak. Although the private school sector has attempted to get around the rules with preferential vaccination treatment, this incident proves that the plague is not a respecter of persons. The Australian community really is in this together with the devil taking the hindmost and the poor and vulnerable suffering the most. The school has been hit with a significant outbreak, which is grievous, not only to the children and the parents of this school, but to the community suffering lockdowns as a whole. Not unsurprisingly, the principal and other members of the school board are unrepentant. This could not and has not occurred in a public school although initially it was thought that the school re referred to by the media was Fitzroy Public Primary School, 
So what exactly is this Fitzroy Community School? Well, we did a little bit of work here. We went to the Atara Master website and found out a bit about this school. Um, I'm not sure what the fees are. Uh, the newspaper at one stage or somebody at some, some stage has said that they're 18000 a year. Um, I'm not sure that it is actually that high. But um, Maddie will tell you quite a lot more about this particular school. Yes, thank you. I absolutely will. There are only 126 students attending this private school, 67 boys and 59 girls. The ICSIA value of the school is 1,197, which is um, quite above the average. And despite its name, this school in no way represents the broader community. 84% of the children come from homes with an income in the top Quartile. I'm just going to repeat that. 84% of the students come from homes with an income in the top quartile of the population and another 10% from the second quartile. There's only 1% from the lowest quartile and no child comes from a home where English is not the first language. There are no Indigenous children at the school. I don't know if that paints a picture for you. It definitely paints a picture for me. Yet the Australian government provides... $652,000 and the state government $72,000 for these children of the privileged few. You know, to be fair, the parents provide $1.69 million per annum, so it is reasonable that they would expect their children to be taught. The NAPLAN results, however, are fascinating. In 2016, they were below average while since that time they have been average but in no way spectacular. Parents who are spending substantial dollars on this school should look carefully at the public school on offer in the same area, and we will be talking about that school later in the program. And very, very interesting, isn't it? And, of mm. course, there was a big reaction uh, from both the Age and the ABC and uh, people who wrote into the paper about this event. But we'll have a bit of a break and we'll come back and Sorrel will tell us what the Age Report had to say. You can see that this country is covered in the blood of Aboriginal people and the length and breadth of it. Australia is a part of an undeclared war and a secret invasion. And it began 250 years ago. Now, we have a country that's built on lies, deceit, fraud, propaganda and race hatred indoctrination. Now it's been 250 years of us being oppressed in our own land, brutally. We might be oppressed but we understand what freedom is and we fight for it every day and we've resisted this occupation since day one. And I predict colonialism, capitalism, imperialism is going to get knocked out cold by about mid this year. your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Well, you're still listening to the Dogs Program on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, and uh, we're talking about the Fitzroy North community so-called school uh, where some quite extraordinary things have happened in the last week uh, and, and unfortunately they discovered that they're not privileged when it comes to the plague. But uh, the age, Kerry uh, on the age, the, the reporters on the age have done quite a good job on informing the public of just what happened up there in Fitzroy North. Over to you, um, Sorrel. Thanks, Jean. So the Age report um, tells us that an independent school in Melbourne's inner north whose principal has repeatedly flouted public health orders and invited families to send their children during lockdowns has been hit by a significant coronavirus outbreak. Premier Daniel Andrews warned on Sunday that reopening Melbourne's classrooms closed since the 5th of August would cause COVID-19 cases to quickly spread through schools, forcing many to close again almost immediately. 
With the state recording 392 new coronavirus infections on Sunday, the state's Deputy Chief Health Officer, Dan O'Brien, said 30 students and staff had tested positive at the Fitzroy Community School in Brunswick Street, Fitzroy North. It looks like these case numbers are at least 30, but it's growing from there, he said. Emails obtained by The Age reveal the principal, Timothy Berryman, invited parents to send their children in repeatedly while Melbourne has been in lockdown, arguing that the damage to their mental health from extended periods of remote learning was potentially severe, while the health risks to children from from catching the coronavirus were negligible. It's an interesting take. (laughs) News of the school outbreak came as Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced Victoria would get more than 400,000 extra Pfizer and Moderna vaccine shots. It followed Mr Andrew's claim last week that Victoria was being shortchanged by Canberra by about 340,000 doses of Pfizer vaccines in preference for Sydney. Health Minister Greg Hunt on Sunday said the additional 417,000 vaccine doses showed the Morrison government have responded to and exceeded the Victorian government's request. Mr Berryman, whose alternative independent school is now a Tier 1 exposure site, told families on September 9th he believed it was only a matter of time before there was a positive case at the school and expressed hope that schools would be permitted to remain open with positive cases in the future. I can sincerely say that it has been a much longer run than I had hoped for or expected, he wrote. In a June 3rd email to parents, Mr Berryman states, I cannot in good conscience continue to request that you continue to keep your children at home. Please feel free to send your child to school if you feel that this is the best for them or best for your family balance. I do not write this lightly, as this does breach government-imposed directives for schools. Three days later, he wrote that the Department of Health had contacted the school and warned him to comply. By late July, Mr Berryman was again inviting parents to breach remote learning rules. I am offering again you all the option of sending your children to school, he wrote in an email on the 20th of July. The aide attempted to contact Mr Berryman but could not reach him on Sunday. Mr Andrews declined to answer whether, when asked on Sunday whether it should be mandatory for teachers to be vaccinated, but flagged the government was considering compelling some people to get immunised. Making it mandatory in a number of areas is very important, but it won't just be schools, it won't just be teachers, it won't just be nurses, it will be a whole range of different people because we think it's important. I will make those announcements when I'm ready. Victoria on Sunday launched a pop-up vaccination program targeting postcodes in the north and west of Melbourne. 65% of new coronavirus cases detailed on Sunday were in Melbourne's north, particularly the council area of Hume, where 147 new cases were recorded. Just 107 of the cases detailed on Sunday were from known outbreaks. Eight of the pop-up vaccination centres will be in secondary colleges in a bid to get more students immunised. These high schools are in Danjong, Point Cook, Gladstone Park, Roxburgh, Brunswick, Tarnit, Werribee and Lakeview Senior College in Caroline Springs. Lakeview Senior College principal Shane Rule said more than 110 students and staff had booked in for a jab on campus this Thursday, but more had already had their first shot or made an appointment elsewhere. Mr Rule said his senior students' desire to be vaccinated as soon as possible was overwhelming although a small number of parents had expressed hesitancy or outright opposition that the notion of their children be vaccinated. I know a number of kids who come from anti-vaccine families and the kids have hopped on buses, made their own appointments and gone and got shots without the support of their parents, he said. I really admire their courage and commitment. Year 7 student Lucy Kerr, 13, who attends Our Lady of Mercy College in Heidelberg, will become eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine from Monday. And she said she was eager to book a jab in as soon as possible. I'm just excited for when there are enough people vaccinated that we can end lockdowns, she said. Aren't we all? (laughs) Lucy is in her first year at the school and said it has been much harder to make new friends at her new school, learning remotely much of the time. Opening up vaccination to students aged 12 to 15 would ease the worry that schools would reopen only have to, to only have to shut again if cases climbed, she said. 
it will help us to be able to go back to school and there will not be this worry of what if we go back into lockdown, she said. Her mother, Kylie Kerr, a lecturer at ACU, said she was confident the vaccine was safe for her daughter. I've had it and I'm fine and my husband has had it and he's fine, she said. It's worse to get COVID. On Sunday, Mr. Andrews faced questioning over whether students were likely to return to schools for classes. He declined to nominate a date, saying modelling being done by the Burnett Institute held the key to reopening for face-to-face learning. He said he wanted schools back this year, but a plan for the rest of the school year would be made public in about a week. Despite hundreds of daily infections, Victoria's contact tracing team is reaching almost 100% of COVID-19 cases within 24 hours and primary close contacts within 48 hours. Deputy Chief Health Officer Dan O'Brien said. He added that while contact tracing has been challenged, it has been meeting the national benchmark since the beginning of the latest outbreak. Government sources told The Age that the public could spend could expect a roadmap that outlined when and how all Victorian students would be allowed to return to schooling, giving parents and children a level of certainty with added caveats heading into term four. It's unlikely that all year levels will be able to return at the same time. The Premier also flagged that the government was considering potential staggered start and end times and improvements to ventilation. The Department of Education has drawn up several plans and is awaiting the Chief Health Officer's approval following the outcomes of the Burnett Institute modelling to determine what level of COVID-19 cases Victoria could handle without stretching the healthcare system. Victoria's public health workforce status, including the surge capacity, remains in the green zone under the Commonwealth's traffic light system, meaning it is within capacity and does not require extra support. 7% of intensive care patients in Victoria have been diagnosed with COVID-19 compared to 24% in New South Wales, where the health system has been strained. Mr Andrews previously promised once the state reaches 70% of eligible people having a first vaccination, there would be an expanded 10-kilometre travel limit, a three-hour exercise limit, and outdoor personal training and real estate inspections would return. By Sunday, 66.2% of Victorians had had a first vaccination and 40.8% were double dosed. When the Premier was told on Sunday of the extra vaccine doses being sent to Victoria, he told reporters it was the first time he had heard of the matter. Federal government sources who asked to not be named so they could describe discussions between state and federal governments said the Commonwealth had discussions with the Victorian government on Friday and Saturday to let them know that extra doses would be allocated to the state. Just to clarify, an earlier version of this story described the school at the centre of the outbreak as a Fitzroy North primary school. While this is correct, the aide wishes to make it clear that the school is not Fitzroy North primary school, but as stated in the story, an independent Fitzroy community school. Yes, well, it's quite extraordinary. And, of course, um, during the week, uh, that that report was earlier in the week, but uh, during the week on Wednesday, for example, the inner city teachers were out demanding that they all be vaccinated and their children all be vaccinated before schools go back. Uh, These are public school teachers who understand the the dangers in the current situation. But unfortunately, Mr Berryman and his wife also, um, who are running this private school, let's call it for what it is, uh, for the so-called upper classes of Fitzroy, uh, they, they, have, have, they, don't, they know no shame. They're not apologising. And the amazing thing is that the school has not been deregistered immediately, which I think should happen. Where is the registration board and how bad do these places have to be before they take their registration away? But there seems to be um, no shame, no apology. And, um, in fact, uh, he, he, he's saying that he's fine, that what he did was the proper thing to do. But we'll have a little bit of a break and we'll come back to the ABC report which um, outlines this. 
Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent, or if you're a kid, or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever, and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. State Sunshine schools. North Primary School. They're really school. concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. You've got, like, you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got vis- physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great deal. relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Well, you're still listening to the Dogs Program and we're still talking about this North Fitzroy uh, private school that uh, thinks that uh, it is above and beyond the plague rules of our time. Uh, But unfortunately, the plague uh, hit it. Uh, it was no respecter of the privileged people in the uh, school itself. And uh, the headmaster, who is responsible in many ways, together with other members of this uh, this so-called community school, um, they, they are not apologising. They're, in fact, saying that what they did was quite rational and proper. Uh, and the ABC report on the matter is of interest in this regard. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. It actually reminds me of the uh, case we spoke about last week in California uh, where an anti-masker teacher infected the front two rows of his classroom with Delta. Uh, So that's 14 kids of 24 now have um, Delta because their teacher refused to wear a mask. But back to the ABC report about Melbourne's uh, primary school at the centre of the COVID-19 outbreak. It's defended inviting parents to send their children during lockdown, saying it is not on the lunatic fringe. More than 20 children are among the 31 cases linked to the Fitzroy Community School in Brunswick Street, North Fitzroy, which is a Tier 1 exposure site. Founder Faye Berryman read a statement over the phone from the school window saying it had the best interests of children at heart. We are not a lunatic fringe. We are pretty conservative, deeply thinking people, she said. Children's emotional well-being, their feeling of insecurity, the unpredictable long-term psychological danger of raising them under a mantle of fear are the price we pay for not having children at school. Our parents were given the choice to be at school or online with no pressure either way. Meanwhile, Principal Timothy Berryman told ABC Radio Melbourne four parents and three staff members also have COVID-19 after a teacher fell ill last week. One parent has been quite crook. One of the other teachers was quite crook. And a couple of kids have been quite crook. I love the language. The vast majority you wouldn't have known unless you'd run a test. The people who are crook look like they've just had a bad flu. One of the children has a parent who is having cancer treatment. The ABC has been told families have been repeatedly encouraged to send their children to the school during lockdown in breach of public health orders. 
under Melbourne's lockdown rules, only vulnerable students and the children of essential workers are able to go to school on site. Mr Berryman said 60 children were in the classroom most days, all of whom had parents who fell into those categories. Everybody who was at school was allowed to be at school under the current rules. He said, I'm not making up my own rules. I'm trying to look after the children of our state. Surely that is the obligation of every school leader and every parent and every politician. Mr Berryman declined to say if he was vaccinated against COVID-19. In a June 3rd email to parents, Seen by the ABC, he wrote, I cannot in good conscience continue to request that you continue to keep your children at home. Uh, please feel free to send them to send your child to school if you feel that this is best for them or best for your family balance. I do not write this lightly, as this does breach government imposed directives for schools. In announcing the school clo school's closure on September 9th, Mr Berryman told families it believed uh, he believed it was only a matter of time before the school would be forced to shut its doors because of a positive case. I can sincerely say that it's been a much longer run than I had hoped for or expected, he wrote. My hope is that the next term is that next term the position on school changes and that they'll be open and remain open with positive cases. Melbourne's Delta outbreak is affecting young people at a much higher rate than during previous lockdowns with health authorities calling it a pandemic of the young and unvaccinated. Ms Berryman said the loss, losses to children of not being able to go to school far outweighed the gains. We know that primary aged children have a strong resilience to COVID, for example, studies of the Murdoch Institute. They may have a strong resilience to COVID, but they may not have a strong resilience to the upbringing being inflicted on them at the moment, she said. Fitzroy Community School was criticised for opening for on-site learning during lockdown last year, a decision Education Minister James Molino branded as reckless. Health Minister Martin Foley said the school had a history of sailing pretty close to public health orders, but it was too early to say if anyone would be fined. Our focus is on the well-being of those kids, their families and the staff. In terms of compliance activities, that will take its normal course, he said. I think everyone should follow the Chief Health Officer's orders. Where you don't, there are consequences. Kids get sick and families get sick. Back to you, Jean. Yes, well, it wasn't just uh, the ABC and others that were concerned about uh, this rather irresponsible gentleman and his wife. Uh, there were a whole flurry of very interesting letters in the age. Uh, one of the interesting ones is from Caroline Williamson from Brunswick. <clears throat> a curious equation at work, she said. The saga of Fitzroy Community School, whose principal seems to think he knows more about pandemics than any scientist, raises a broader question. Why would any parent pay $18,000 a year for their child to be educated by people who lack the most basic understanding of mathematics, risk and community solidarity? There are plenty of good government schools nearby, and we'll tell you about one of them later in this program. And um, another person, Ben Redwood from South Yarra, said, parents hoping for their children to succeed in science, law or public policy might want to avoid Fitzroy Community School, where such subjects are apparently subordinate to the principal's hunches. And uh, then there were others about evidence-based education going miss, missing, missing. There's just one in support of Mr Berryman. But given that the people who've been the spokesman are a Mrs Berryman and a Mr Berryman, I suspect that this school, which appears to be in a very large house in Fitzroy North, is actually a private enterprise business. 
um, a bit like the old dame schools of the 19th century. And um, I think that the parents of Fitzroy, some of them have got more money than sense at the moment. But um, if that money starts running out, I think that they should think about being a bit more sensible. But uh, that's the dog's take on this uh, very interesting uh, story. But we'll have a bit of a break and we'll come back with some other information. Unfortunately, that's not very good news because we are in the dog days of, of a play, but um, we do like to keep you up to date on what is going on. The private schools have had a big flurry, we notice, of advertising. They're spending millions on really, really glossy advertising. But um, people are in trouble. Uh, I've just had the very interesting experience of a man wanting $5,000 for a dog because he had to pay his private school fees. <laughs> um, guess who's not going to hand over $5,000 for a dog? <laughs> but um, the Jewish population have uh, been in trouble, uh, both because they wanted to have their New Year Yom Kippur celebrations and other celebrations as well, but their education is also a crisis point because a lot of Jewish families just don't have the money for the fees. So when this pandemic is over, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to the enrolment uh, at public schools. But um, Maddie is going to tell us about Jewish education, which is a crisis point. And this information is not from the age. It's actually from the Jewish um, newspapers or groups themselves. Uh, and Maddie will be telling you all about this after a quick break. Kafiyas are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafiyas, and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafiyah to an array of modern designs, all scarves are just $30 each. Explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Wear your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kufiyas.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Well, you're still listening to the Dogs Program. And before the break, we were mentioning that some private schools are going to suffer greatly because of loss of income from fees, particularly the high-fee schools, after the plague is finished. And um, or when, when we're in better times, let's say, because we're being told we have to learn to live with COVID. But um, we're now going to hear from Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. Yes, Jewish education is at a crisis point. In 2011, the soaring fees at Jewish day schools prompted community member and father of five, Jonathan Schauder, to seek an alternative way to give his children a Jewish education. His solution was to arrange for Hebrew lessons and Jewish cultural activities to be provided at local public secondary school, Glen Ira College. Other families, he told the AJN this week, had different ways of addressing the problem. I discovered that many parents were deliberately stopping at two children, purely in order to afford private school fees. When do we get so lost, he lamented. That idea is too tragic for me. Having less children in the community is not the answer for the Jewish continuity. 10 years on, the crippling costs associated with sending children to Jewish schools still impact far too many families, according to a major report released on Tuesday. The discussion paper, Rethinking the Future of Our Jewish Schools, produced by a working group of communal leaders and educators under the banner of the Victorian Jewish Schools Project over the past two years, warns that towering fees will push thousands of students into the public school system in coming decades. 
while demographic changes also lead to a decline in enrollments. Well, During the, Jewish, the, time of the Jewish children weren't in the public schools until state aid was given, and it was wonderful to have them, um, you know, before and certainly just after the Second World War, um, there was an integration uh, of the Jewish uh, population into the more general population and um, a great deal of tolerance uh, towards them in this country. So I think it's very sad that they have, in fact, been separating out into their own schools. But that's what state aid for private schools does. It, it uh, sections the community and divides the children along religious lines. But um, back to you. Thank Nat. you, Jean. Yes. During a time of rising housing costs, some families, this is a quote, must choose between a Jewish education and buying a home states the report. It is projected that in the next 20 years, the population of Jewish school-aged children in Victoria will fall by nearly 25%, that's 2,000 students, with school fees set to reach as high as $45,000 by 2025 and up to a staggering $52,000 by 2030 for year 12. This shift was already evident in the Gen 17 Community Survey of 2017, in which almost half of participants reported that school fees were too expensive, while roughly a third who considered Jewish education indicated that cost had prevented them from enrolling at least one child in a Jewish school. The predicted decline has also taken into account falling birth rates in the community, partly due to a steady shrinkage of women at reproductive age over the next 20 years. If the community is to allow this trend to continue, the study found that 51% of Jewish school age students could be enrolled in government primary schools and 31% in secondary schools in the next decade. It could also mean losses to schools of fee and grant income reaching $10 million a year in 2031 and about $18.5 million a year in 2041, states the report. Convener of the working group, Alan Schwartz, told the AJN that after 50 years of building an exceptional Jewish school system, this existential challenge, which has been building for two decades, is only increasing due to cultural, financial and demographic forces. Reflecting on the report, Mount Scopus Memorial College Principal James Kennard told the AJN, I thank those who have worked on this report and who have made the community aware of the severe challenges to the sustainability of our school system. Scopus has been happy to assist them with their modeling. At Scopus, we are very concerned about the financial burden on parents, and that's why we strive to keep down costs and to provide fee assistance to 20% of our families. Most significantly, we are pursuing our long-term goal of moving our entire school to Caulfield, which, according to our projections, will be a game changer for fees and for the whole community. In terms of the proposals suggested in this report, we are always happy to talk to other schools about merging resources. This shows you how they're all, they're really, they really do have, have problems. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 State aid is actually never enough for them and they still have to charge these ridiculous fees. So I think we really need to hope that the Jewish community that once were great supporters of public education will actually sit down and instead of um, listening to Mount Scopus and the other um, sectarian colleges, bring their children back into the public system so that our children can have the advantage of uh, their Jewish um, generation and, and uh, have their, 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 their friendship because uh, there is, in fact, still a great deal of anti-Semitism around the world and our community just does not want it. Uh, we, in fact, want to have these children in our public system not in a private sectarian system. That is the dog's position. And the same goes for uh, the Muslim children and the Roman Catholic children. We want to have them in our public system so that our children can all learn to live together. But um, 
I think that's enough on the Jewish question. Well, we'll have a bit of a break there now, and Sol is coming back to tell us about the problems that principals are having, particularly up in New South Wales, as, as our, our public systems decentralised and the support is not there for the principals who are in the front line and the teachers, for that matter, in our schools. Do you need to renew your subscription? Make a donation. Or pass on some information to a programmer. We can't get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03 94198377 each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member. That's 03 94198377. 3CR Community Radio, here to stay. their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. We are listening to The Dogs program and earlier in the program we talked about an irresponsible principle. But up in New South Wales, where they are in the process of decentralising the um, and privatising the, the system in much the same way as they did a, a couple of decades ago here in, in Victoria, public school principals are really given enormous responsibilities. <clears throat> and if um, there are difficult parents who want to take it out on someone, a principal can be the fall guy. So Jane Caro has written a very interesting article in the Saturday paper about principals in who are under pressure. And um, I think this is a very interesting article because it shows how the movement to decentralise and privatise our education system has had a very deleterious effect on the people in the front line. Uh, the leaders, like the principals of public schools, are often uh, given enormous responsibilities, uh, large um, amounts of money that they're responsible for, and also large numbers of children that they're responsible for. So um, Jane Carrow's article is of great interest, I think, for those who are concerned to protect the principals and teachers in our public schools. They are very precious, precious people for the future of our children. So over to you, Sol, and the Jane Carrow article. Thank you. Jane Carrow writes that even as school principals face more onerous workplace demands, they are receiving less support, leaving many burnt out and some disillusioned and some under investigation. I lost my wife to this bloody job. And then they handed her back to me and she was just broken. I have become her carer. Jim's wife was the principal of the school. For obvious reasons, he has asked that his real name not be used, as have many of the people in this piece. Currently, Jim's wife is under investigation by the New South Wales Department of Education and has been put on alternative duties. Before she was marched off the premises, she had, like all principals, worked very long hours. Jim resented the demands of her job and how tired it made her when she did have time for him and their family. But things are much worse now. Principals, particularly of large and diverse public schools, have one of the most demanding and responsible jobs in our society. Not only must they manage a staff of often many hundreds of teachers and administrators, 
they have an all-encompassing duty of care for the student to attend their school. Whether the students are children in primary school or adolescents, principals are responsible for their educational opportunities, their safety and their behaviour. They must be ready to deal with the unexpected at any moment. Attend any principal's conference and you will watch the delegates jumping in and out of their seats to answer calls, telling them of the latest situation at their school that needs their input. It can be a small issue or a serious one, all the way up to criminal behaviour. And that's without mentioning the considerable diplomacy required to deal with parents or the additional complications that COVID-19 has visited on already overstretched school leaders. Over the past decade or so, the job has not only become more onerous and more complex as the cracks in our society in general have started to scope in schools, it has also become more precarious. Many principals now feel very vulnerable. Harry, again, not his real name, used to be a principal and now works supporting his former colleagues. He says that as much as he loved being a principal, after working with those running schools today, he would not return to the role. In fact, he says emphatically, I would not advise any deputy principal go back for the job. An attack can come from anywhere. Maury Mullahan himself, an ex-principal and the recently retired president of the New South Wales Teachers Federation, says the current problems with investigations into principals go back to a policy implemented in 2012 named Local Schools, Local Decisions, which the union fought against truth and nail. He argues that when many of the old supports provided to principals by the education department were devolved back to schools, principals became not just a more vulnerable target, but also much less supported in their jobs. He was not alone in his view. He recalls hearing a senior officer argue at the time that if the policy was implemented, the staff at EPAC would have quadrupled. Part of the problem may be that it wasn't. In 2019, the discontent around EPAC had grown to such an extent the senior Crown Prosecutor, Mark Tedeschi, QC, was engaged to carry out a review. In the executive summary published in June of that year, Tedeschi summed up the issue. In order to maintain confidence in the EPAC, it is necessary for EPAC to be seen to act in a fair, impartial, consistent and timely fashion, he wrote and in a manner that respects the procedural rights of those whom it is investigating and disciplining. But Peterson makes a crucial point. Given the volatility and complexity of the job educators do, it is inevitable that someone's going to stuff up somewhere, he says. We need confidence that when there has been a genuine error, an honest mistake, there will be appropriate and commensurate response. He goes further. Fear that a minor transgression will have a career-limiting effect paralyzes. When Tedeschi carried out his review in 2019, there were four principles on what is called alternative duties awaiting the results of an investigation. As I write this, there are eight. Six of them are women. This has also created rumblings. Teaching is a female-dominated profession, but female principals remain in the minority. Principals, men and women alike, are aware that female principals are often more vulnerable to bullying, particularly by male parents, and, as is common for women in all sorts of leadership positions, may be held to a higher standard of behaviour than their male counterparts. This can also have a freezing effect. Harry said several pr female principals in their 50s and 60s decided to up stumps having seen what's happening to the other female principals. This is a loss for the profession and the community. Staffing is already an issue in New South Wales schools and there have been spontaneous walkouts by school staff, particularly in the regions, highlighting the chronic lack of teachers in some areas. I have been writing about the difficulty of attracting principals to some schools, particularly those called hard to staff for years, as always, disadvantaged compounds. Maureen Mulhoron points out that fewer applicants means less talent to choose from. You might get three people applying for a principal's job at a regional school, 
and 25 applying for the same job in a Sydney North Shore one. Jim worries about his wife as she struggles with the ongoing uncertainty around her case. It's been more than a year in limbo, he tells me. Trevor, again, not his real name, is also afraid for his wife's mental health. She is another principal currently on alternative duties while being investigated. They're all on medication, Trevor says. Jim agrees. They're dead from that moment career-wise. Yes, it's pretty pretty uh, interesting stuff. Who would want to be a principal under some of these circumstances? Um, mm. uh, it's a very, very responsible job. That is why I think uh, people were quite shocked this week with the uh, Fitzroy North case and uh, the attitude taken by the headmaster there. But... Um, Thank you. I, I'm I'm sorry, dear listeners, that uh, some of the material is really quite depressing that we're putting across. But um, I think that Jane Caro has got something really to say there, and that uh, our politicians should actually work out why it is that our public systems were centralised in the first place, uh, and in the old days. Principal and teachers, particularly in outlying areas, were given all the support possible from the central office. Uh, and sometimes they needed it, uh, and in fact, they still need it. But we do have a good news story, particularly for those parents up there in Fitzroy North, our great state school, and Maddie's going to tell you about it. <laughs> Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great. Schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. And our great state school for this week is Fitzroy North Primary School. Uh, and this is an excerpt um, from the principal themselves. So, welcome to the Fitzroy North Primary School community. Our school is located in inner city Melbourne opposite the Edinburgh Gardens with an enrolment of approximately 500 students. Our school values underpin all that we say and do. We embark upon this learning journey with a pledge to our students and parents to provide engaging, meaningful and rigorous teaching and learning across our community, combined with special events and a plethora of extracurricular clubs and activities, performing arts groups and sports events. SAKGP is an integral component of our school. Children from grades three, four, five, and six create delicious food and share a communal meal together. During the year, all children have the opportunity to make delectable treats to celebrate special occasions. Our staff of highly qualified professional educators and support personnel embrace lifelong learning and represent expertise in a variety of fields. We work collaboratively to provide our students with a range of opportunities so that our learners reach their full potential. We will continue to build upon and refine our proven foundation of good work and honoured traditions and even innovations as we work towards excellence in education. We extend a special invitation to our families to join us at school activities and special events. We value your involvement and support in your child's education. Please be assured that we highly value home slash school communication here at Fitzroy North Primary School. It is vital. It plays an integral role in each student's success. We encourage you to contact us if or when the need arises and to stay in the know about your child's studies, assignments, assessments and school activities, as well as other events and happenings via grade level sites. Student voice, leadership and agency are fostered and valued. Children have the opportunity to join JSC, act as principal liaisons and are encouraged to follow their passions. Again, we welcome you to our wonderful learning community, a place alive with energy, enthusiasm and curiosity. Isn't that lovely? I'm going to chuck some facts at you from the My School website. 
This school services many families with, um, with a generous income, but it is certainly much more representative of the Australian community than the so-called community school that has placed their teachers and students in danger from COVID. The school has 488 students, 253 boys and 235 girls. Its ICSIA value is 1,155 and 67%, not 84%, of its families have an income in the upper quartile or 25% of the Australian community, 22% are from the second quartile, 6% from the third and 4% are from disadvantaged families. But whereas the local private school has no children from non-English backgrounds, there are 32% of the students attending this school. The Australian government provides 2.4 million and the state 4.4 million. The parents paid $348,000 in fees and raised $203,000 in 2020. All in all, it costs $12,000 to educate a child at this primary school. And their NAPLAN results are just fine. So why would any Fitzroy parent prefer to waste money on the local private primary school with its irresponsible headmaster? Just an opinion, but uh, that's how I feel. So congratulations, Fitzroy North State primary school you are our great state school of the week and we have come to the end of another program uh jean would you like to remind our listeners where they can find us find out more about the dogs yes uh you can find out more about us and our press releases and uh, what you've been listening to today at www.adogs.info And if you want to listen to any of our programs or if you've missed any of them, you can go to the 3CR website and listen to the Dogs podcast. And thanks for Dale and Oliver and Maddie and Sorrel for all the hard work that they have put into producing the program today. But from us, all of us, it is bye for now.